Hello everyone, I'm Pastor Rick Hawkins of Quest Church in Norman, Oklahoma. I want to thank you all for joining us today. This podcast is going to be informative, insightful, and inspirational for your life. Listen every week because we'll have a special word just for you. Judges chapter 16, verse 28, and Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me. And strengthen me. Only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. I'm going to preach a message this morning for three hours and 25 minutes. I'm just kidding. A message entitled, The Value of Vision. If I could subtitle it, I would call it Samson and His Sight. Look at three people and say those words, the value of vision. Come on, two more people. Tell them the value of vision. Father, we thank you for your word today. Your word is active among us. Your word is alive among us. And as we preach today, I ask you to change people's minds. Help them to repent and rethink. Help us to reevaluate, renew us, revive us, and refresh us. Lord, do what only you can do among us. We surrender everything to you now, and we say, have your way. We break every generational curse on anybody's life in this building. We dismiss any generational spirit that is diametrically opposed to their destiny. There's freedom in this house today. People are free to be who you called them to be today. So remove every restriction. Obliterate every hindrance and have your way in Jesus' name. Now listen, one more time. Give God the biggest praise you've given him all week long. Let God know how much you're loving. Let Jesus know how much you're loving. Bless your name, Lord. High-five your neighbor and tell them this one's for me. This one is for me, and you may be seated. As I've been praying about where the church is universally and set, last week with 23 or 24 of the most intelligent minds that I know of in the body of Christ, one thing stood out to me to be paramount, that the church is at a critical crossroads in its history. We have never pastored through a pandemic. We have never been where we are right now. And God spoke to me emphatically that the greatest days are not behind us. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the glory of the former house. As I considered that, my mind raced very quickly to what is next. Where do we go from here? And if the enemy has attacked anything in the people of God and in the body of Christ, it's vision. Vision is uniquely and conspicuously attached to the future all through Scripture. Anytime the Bible talks about vision, 
It's in relation to being able to see what's in front of you. Not just to see your future, but oftentimes to see what you're fighting. So vision is not just for you to see your future. It's for you to be able to see what is trying to hinder you. What is fighting you. Your vision tells us where you are going. Your purpose tells us why you are going. But your faith tells us how you are going. Shall I say it again? Your vision tells us where you are going. Your purpose tells us why you are going. But your faith tells us how you are going. It denotes the idea that your vision really determines your future. Someone once said we should all be concerned about the future because we will all have to spend the rest of our lives there. I said this a long time ago, a man without a future will always return to his past. A man without a future will always return to his past. If you take a man's vision, he feels a loss of value. Let that resonate with you. If you take a man's vision, you've robbed him of his future. And he will feel a loss of value, no longer significant, no longer important, no longer powerful and possibly the loss of the feeling of potential. Vision is vitally important for you to be as significant as God called you to be. You must not just embrace who you are, where you are, but you must reach for where you are going and who you are becoming. The expression of, I do not deserve the best because I am not worth the best is a result of someone who has lost self-value or self-worth. Hmm. And I think Samson dealt with this. I'm certain of it. Guilt is a powerful thing. Guilt is a result of what you have done. But shame tries to tell you this is who you are. I just have an inkling that Samson was not just carrying guilt, but he's living in shame. Let me remind you this morning, you are not a spiritual doing, you are a spiritual being. What you did is not who you are. There's a difference in an act and an existence. So I came to snatch labels today. And to tell you I don't care what label people have put on you because of something you've done. Get back in the word of God and find out who God says you are. Get back in the Bible and find out who God called you to be. God is good. So really, vision then is born from a value system. Until you feel like you are worth it, 
you will never enjoy it. Oh, that's a powerful statement right there. Until you feel like you are worth it, you will never enjoy it. Helen Keller said these words, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. Solomon said it like this, Proverbs 29, verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no what? Vision, the people perish. It literally means the people cast off restraint. Where there is no vision, people cast off restraints. Where there is no vision, people cross the lines. The lines become blurred. Where there is no vision, there are no boundaries. Hmm. People with no boundaries are liabilities to your vision. Be very careful who you allow in your yoke. It's high time for people to stop partnering themselves with other people because of attraction thing you must look for is direction. It's not that you are attractive. The question is, are you going the same way I'm going? Because if you're not, we're going to be pulling against each other all the time. Talk back to me in this building here. It's easy to find out if they're heading the same direction as you if you'll just share your vision. Samson is an interesting character. Judges is a book of what theologians call a book of failures. But I call it a book of comeback. Dig deep in the book of Judges and reconsider Gideon. Look at Deborah. Think about the champions that are located in the book of Judges. I don't know why theologians would think on levels that are so pessimistic. Look at this room. It's easy to say, look at all the failures in each seat in this building. Your history does not determine your destiny. I'm preaching better than you talking back to me, but I'm good with it. Samson is a man who compromised principles and he suffered great consequences. Samson is a man that compromised principles and he suffered great consequences. There's a difference in consequences and judgment. Write it down. There's a difference in consequences and judgment. Many people see other folks going through the consequences of their decisions, and we call it God's judgment. It's not God's judgment at all. Principle, the principles of God are working for you or against you every day. If you violate the principle, you're going to pay the price. That's not God's judgment. You just violated the principle. When you violate the principle, there will always be a consequence. It's not God judging you. It's just your dumb decision. <laughs> We're going to have some fun up in here today. 
Samson. Names are significant in Scripture. Samson's name means to be brilliant. It's amazing how brilliant can, people can make really stupid choices. Don't you wish you could educate yourself enough to not make a dumb decision? Some of the smartest people in the world do the stupidest stuff. Quit looking at the person sitting next to you. <laughs> to be brilliant. His name means sunlight or sunrise, but it also means a window. Samson's name, a window. Samson is born to a barren woman with an unbelieving husband. In chapter 13 and verse 5 of Judges, the prophecy comes concerning Samson. Here's his mandate. Are you ready? He is to begin the deliverance of Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Samson is born into the earth to begin the deliverance of the people of God from the hand of the Philistines. Now, I don't want to go too deep with you guys, but that is apostolic terminology. Apostolic terminology is a prototype dialogue. Samson is the first to begin this kind of deliverance. I've learned something about the enemy. That he loves to attack in intimacy. Or in infancy, I should say. He loves to attack in infancy. It's in the barrenness of time in Genesis chapter 3 that he shows up. Kill all the babies that are two years old and younger. It's always in the beginning of a relationship that the enemy will attack. It's always in the beginning or the birthing of a thing that the enemy will try to attack. Because in the beginning, there's not great clarity. There's just a mandate. And Samson is to begin the deliverance of Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Strong vocabulary. He represents a window of opportunity. The Hebrew terminology is Samson will be a wedge between the enemy and God's people. Some of you are anointed by God, ordained by deity to begin something in your lineage. Y'all didn't hear that right there. Some of you are anointed, ordained by God, called by God to reverse a curse that has come down through your genealogy. Stop repeating the patterns of the strongholds that your grandfather carried, that your father carried, and now rest in you. At some point, somebody in some family has to get up and say enough is enough. Just because Papa was an alcoholic, 
Just because Papa abused Mama does not mean I'm going to abuse my wife. Because my daddy was crazy does not mean I'm going to be crazy. I dare you to shout. It stops right here. It's got to begin somewhere. The question is, why not you? And why not now? Shout it with me. Why not you? And why not now? Samson had a mandate to begin deliverance. You know what I've been praying? God drop an anointing on a generation that will begin deliverance. You know what the church needs in this hour? A new beginning. I don't know what y'all think, but I believe the church needs to start something. It's not time for us to follow patterns. It's time for us to blaze trails. It's time for us to do something that's been needing to be done for a long time. You cannot sit on yesterday's victories and expect to win the battle tomorrow. You have to start the fight right now. I made a comment on my Facebook this morning about Beyonce. Now, I know y'all don't listen to Beyonce. I know y'all ain't a part of the beehive. The moment I made the remark about preachers not speaking out against the song Church Girl, everybody wanted to talk about I don't listen to it anyway. I didn't ask you, did you listen to it? It ain't you I'm worried about. It's your children I'm worried about. And I promise you ain't no preachers gonna preach against Beyonce. Because she's Queen B. How dare you, Pastor Rick? Let me tell you something, Beyonce. Your song is crazy, it's stupid. And God helped the Clark sisters for allowing her. Boy, it's getting quiet now. Ooh, Lord. How you gonna allow her to sample your song on this filthy, dirty? I just lost about 45 friends in the building right there. But I don't care. You can't say nothing right from the pulpit anymore anyway, so you might as well just say how you feel. It might do you good to pull your children's phones out to see if they might be listening to church girl. It's of the devil. Why did you listen to it, Pastor Rick? Because I got granddaughters. Teenage granddaughters. And I want to tell them for myself, this song is crazy as it can be. I don't want you to be confused about it, Jayla. Danielle, Sophia, don't be confused. That song is crazy. Compromise. And some of y'all are saying, I ain't coming back up in here next Sunday. That'd be all right. I love you and I want you here, but I'm telling you, Beyonce lost her natural mind. Queen B, you and Jay Z, sit down. Sit down. 
You might run a football stadium, but you ain't running all up in the church. I can't get no help in a sanctified church. Stand up for something. Stand up for something. Stand up for something, please. And this is, in my opinion, the church has laid his, her head in the lap of Delilah. Judges 14.1, Samson went down to Timnath, which means the image, the imagery. Image is the root word for imagination. He gave in to his imagination. Verse 5, chapter 14, then Samson went down. Verse 7, chapter 14, and Samson went down. Chapter 16, verse 1, Samson went down. Chapter 16, verse 4, he fell in love with Delilah and he went down. Chapter 16, verse 13, he went down and fell asleep. Verse 13, he went down into prison. Verse 21, chapter 16, the Philistines took him and put his eyes out and brought him down. Seven times Samson went down and not one time was it God's intention. Seven times he went down and not one time was it God's intention. Oh, for more Nehemiahs that would look at Tobiah and Sanballat while they build in the wall and they invite him down into the valley of Ono. That's what the Bible says. How about a valley called Ono? Anybody with sense ought to know you don't go to the valley of Ono. And Nehemiah looked at them and said, I can't go down. And you need to get a mindset that you are working on God's kingdom. We're building something here. And it's time for us to stop taking steps down and start taking steps up. I dare you to shout it as loud as you can. I can't go down. Why? Because you're too busy. You're too significant. You're too important. You're too anointed. You're too appointed. You are ordained by God. You're called. You're chosen. You're blood-bought. You're sanctified. You authorized. Quit going down. Don't go down to gossip. Don't go down to sin. Don't go down to a curse. Don't go down. Somebody shout, stay up and don't go down. Think up. Live up. Talk up, walk up, and stop going down. Thank you, Jesus. Can I preach this whole word? Verse 18, chapter 16. When Delilah saw that he had, that Samson told her everything. What do you, what, what? You not only laid down in her lap, but now you telling her everything? She sent word to the rulers. Come back again. He told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with money in their hand. Having put him to sleep on her lap, she called a man to shave off his hair. 
and so began to subdue him. Watch what the Bible says. And his strength left him. What that just says is this. The secret of his strength was in his hair. When they cut his hair off, his strength left. But what the devil did not realize, his hair grows back. Some of y'all have laid down with the wrong situation and you have had your hair cut, but I came to encourage you. Don't be defeated because your hair is growing back. Man, I could preach on that for 30 minutes. I'll leave it alone. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are on you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out just like I did before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him. Listen what it says. Gouged out his eyes, the value of vision. Took him down to Gaza with bronze shackles, set him to the grinding, set him to grinding in the prison. But before long, his hair began to grow back. Boy, I like that word, but. But before long, some of y'all need a but in your life. Say it with me, but before long, I'm going to make my comeback. There's 10 people that's going to get that. The boy prayed three things in verse 28. Samson called to the Lord. He prayed three things. Remember me. Strengthen me and avenge me. Let's say it together. Remember me, strengthen me, and avenge me. Now, why would you tell God, remember me? He's omniscient. He's, omniscient. he's omnipotent. He's all-knowing and he's everywhere. How are you going to be telling God, remember me? You think God has a mind to forget? Have you ever told someone that you love, don't forget me? Yeah, you have. Tell the truth and shame the devil. You have said, babe, don't, don't forget me. And that's what Samson is saying. Read it in the Hebrew. God, don't forget me. Have you ever prayed like that? I know most of you pray in the King James Version, but sometimes you just got to throw your head back and open your mouth and shout, Hey! Did you forget me? Don't forget me, God. And this is what Samson is praying. God, don't forget me. Mention my name. God says through the prophet Isaiah, a mother may forget her sucking child. But I cannot forget you because I have engraven you on the palm of my hands. That's what the Lord says. I have engraven you on the palm of my hands. So when you say, God, remember me, you know what you're saying? Look at your hand. Look, in your, look at your hand. I'm in your hand. 
Jesus said, what the Father has put in my hand, no man can take it out. Listen to Pastor Rick today. You're in God's hand. If you feel like he's forgotten you, just tell him, Lord, can you look at your hand today? Because I'm still in there. Remember me. Now you've got to go with me. I'm about done preaching today. But you have to go with me. Damp, dark, dreary, grinding out the grain. You know what's unique? The Bible never tells us how long Samson is walking in a circle. It never tells us how long he's grinding this thing out. You know what I've learned? When we lose vision, life becomes a grind. There's something about a man and a woman with a vision. They get up. They get ready. They get prepared. They take on the day with energy, fortitude, fire. But when you've lost vision, everything is a grind. And he's grinding it out. But what he does not know is that in his grinding season, his strength is returning. I'm trying to encourage somebody today that feels like you've been in a grinding season of life. Let me help you. Every rotation is another injection of strength into your life. Somebody shouted, I will come back. Y'all not hearing me. Say it again. I will come back. Every setback is a setup for a great comeback. Boy, I wish I could preach. I'm trying not to preach, but I'm trying to tell you, your best day ain't behind you. Your best day is still in front of you. So he prays, God, remember me. Then he says, strengthen me. Read it. Do the etymology. It means repair me, then fortify me. Fix my faults. Mend my mistakes. Set me right again. Secure my position. Reinforce my resolve to be what you called me to be. Throw one hand up and shout, strengthen me, God. I've learned this, that in order to be strengthened, you must have a resilient spirit. Woo! Get you some bounce back. Talk back to me. Get you some what? Bounce back. Some of you need some resilience that says something like this. The harder you throw me down, the higher I'm going to bounce back up. People who have never suffered a setback cannot understand a comeback. No one is exempt from the possibility of setback. What is resilience? Resilience is the capability of something that has been strained, stressed, or stretched to recover its shape. Resilience is the capability of something that has been stressed, stretched, or strained to recover its form. Some of you have been stretched to the point of breaking, but you didn't break. 
do you know, Pastor Rick? Because you wouldn't be here right now. Open your mouth and shout it loud. I'm bouncing back. You're going to recover your shape. Woo. Watch this here. Your bounce back is directly connected to your resilient faith. You have to have faith that says, like the prophet Micah, rejoice not against me, O my enemy, when I fall. I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Do not throw your party too quickly, devil. Because when I fall, I will be back. I will arise. It means to bounce back and continue. To be resilient is to be capable of withstanding a shock without permanent deformation. You don't come out of it deformed. You come out of it with an attitude to reform. God is good. I wrote this down this morning. You will never accomplish much in life if you do not have resilience. You'll never accomplish too much in life if you do not have resilience. Proverbs 24, 16 says, For a just man falls seven times, but he rises up again. God is good. The last thing he says, and I'm done. The first one is what? Lord, remember me. Don't forget me. Number two, strengthen me. Then number three, avenge me. Now let me help you. Because some of you have been done so wrong in life, you want revenge. Has anybody ever felt that? Let me ask you a real country way. You ever wanted to get somebody back? I'm the only one. I'm like, I'm going to help God out. And they did you wrong, and you just walk away silently, but in your mind you're saying, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. It might take me five, six, seven, eight, nine years, but I'm going to get you. And then all of a sudden, scriptures start coming to your mind like this. Do unto others. And you just want to stop right there. Just do unto others. That's right, Lord. That's what I'm going to do. But it says, as you would have them do unto you. Bless those that persecute you. Have you ever asked God, did he get stuff right? I'm going to ask one more time. Has anyone in here ever wanted revenge on somebody? Yeah, there you go. Now we tell the truth. Now we in a sanctified church. And then God says, vengeance is mine. In other words, God's telling you don't get in the way because you might get some of it. If you in my way when I bring vengeance, you're going to get some. Just let it go. Sing your little song on the movie, let it go.
Revenge is when you get them back. And we automatically think, well, if God avenges me, he's going to get them back. That's your dirty mind. <laughs> it's horrible for you to sit there and that's, that's all right. You know, real sanctified people, they walk up like that. That's all right. God's going to get you. God's going to get you. Y'all ain't never watched Color Purple? When she looked up at him, she said, it's going to rain on your head. God going to get you. What if God says, I'm not going to get them like you want me to get them? Avenge means stand up for me. Avenge does not mean stand up against them. See, you want judgment and God says, I'm going to bring justice. I'm going to bring justice to you. You need to not worry about them. Woo, mind your own business. Preaching good, Pastor Rick. So Samson says, Lord, remember me, strengthen me, and avenge me of the Philistines. But watch what he says, Isaiah, for my two eyes. He didn't say because they cut my hair. My hair can grow back, but I don't know if I'll ever get my vision back. Y'all missing that right there. Your anointing will come back. Some of you have been injured so bad you don't think you have a future. I'm anointed, but I'm not sure what God showed me years ago in my prayer closet is still going to happen. The devil is a liar. Why would God show it to you and then rob you of it? Why would God show it to you and promise you something and then tell you you can't have it? Shout it again. I'm coming back. I'm going to come back, and I'm going to have everything God told me I'm going to have. Can I encourage you today? God is about to stand up for you. God is about to stand up on your behalf. Do you not remember when the Israelites were coming out of Egypt and God told them, stand still and see the salvation of God. I got this. Somebody shouted, God's got this. He said, stand still and you shall see my salvation. Some of you want to fight and fuss and frustrate things. Be still and let God show up and let God open the Red Sea. Do you not remember Jehoshaphat when God told him, stand still? The battle is not yours, says the Lord. When I was praying about this this morning, Vicky, that's the word that God gave me. Second Chronicles 20 and verse 20. The battle is not yours, says the Lord. I'm going to tell you again, the battle is not yours, says God. 
Stop looking for revenge. Stop looking for a fight. Stop looking to fuss. Stop all of that fussing and complaining and be still. Close your mouth and watch God stand up and go to work on your behalf. I need about 30 sanctified Holy Ghost filled people to jump on your feet and give God praise like you know he's about to show up for you. He's about to stand up for you. Woo! Let's all stand. Father, I give you praise right now. This is what's powerful. I'll close it. I was going to read it, but I'll just close it like this. Um, I, need a, I need a young man. There ain't a bunch of young men on this front row. Maverick is young. Isaiah's kind of young. Not so young anymore, Isaiah. <laughs> Caleb, come up here, man. Caleb, come up here. Here's what the Bible says. This is powerful. It says that the Lord of the Philistines and the audience said they were drinking. Read the Bible. I'm not talking about just drinking. I'm talking about drinking to the point of drunk. And the Bible says they were amusing themselves in a drunken state. And the Lord of the Philistines said, go get Samson and let him entertain us. Bad mistake. Bad mistake, enemy. Bad deal when you start wanting to make fun of God's people because you think we've lost anointing and lost vision. and lost. You have made a bad mistake when you start trying to make a spectacle out of us. You have messed up because it ain't about us. It's about God. He said, go get Samson and bring him down here and let him entertain us. And the Bible said they sent a young man. Don't miss this right here. If you miss this, you miss the whole thing. And Samson got in his ear. And he said, lead me. See, there's got to come a point when you realize really where you are. Denial ain't never took you nowhere. Sometimes you have to admit and assess I still got something to offer, but I need some young energy to get me there. See, I told these boys last week in, in San Antonio, I said, I got the anointing, but I ain't got half the energy I used to have. Did I tell y'all, Caleb? So you better be able to run. I've got the power and the anointing and the Holy Ghost and all of that. But I don't have the energy I used to. And so what he did is he selected him a young man. And he said, hey, take me to the pillars. Ooh, I can see Samson right now. That old hair just flowing behind his back. He can feel it on his back. He's blind, but he can feel that hair. He's like, oh, Lord, thank you for the hair. And he tells his boy, he says, take me to the pillars. And the boy leads him a certain spot in the Colosseum and then he stops him and he says put my put my left hand on one pillar 
and he lifts his hand he puts it on the left side of the pillar he said put my right hand on the other pillar and he can hear them laughing they're laughing they're laughing at him he's the laughing stock he's entertaining them because they think he's nothing he'll never be who he used to be and if you read it oh you should read the story because you never hear a word from Samson after Delilah's lap y'all just miss that he never said nothing Gino he never spoke he never said a word this is the first words since Delilah's lap that Samson is going to say. You want to hear it? Lord, remember me. Strengthen me. One more time. I heard somebody tell another guy the other day, I've got one more rodeo in me. Ooh, that's strong. Somebody say it. I've got one more in me. I've got, I've got another chapter. I've got another book. Come on, shout it. I've got another book. He says, do it one more time. I can't see it. But faith don't come by seeing. I can hear it. And faith comes by hearing. I hear you, Lord. And I hear these enemies making fun of me. Avenge me! And the Bible says he began to push. And the Bible says the Colosseum caved in. And listen to the words of Scripture. He killed more of the enemy in one day than he did his whole lifetime. What are you saying, Pastor Rick? Your greatest day, your greatest day is just before you. Be resilient. Be strong. Know that God is for you and you've got one more big push. If you believe it, give God praise like you are about to make a comeback. Let the enemy know you are not defeated.